Our reading today comes from 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, beginning with verse 6. Hear the word of the Lord. Now we command you, beloved, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, to keep away from believers who are living in idleness and not according to the tradition they received from us. For you yourselves know how you ought to imitate us. We were not idle when we were with you, and we did not eat anyone's bread without paying for it. But with toil and labor we worked night and day so that we might not burden any of you. This was not because we do not have the right, but in order to give you an example to imitate. For even when we were with you, we gave you this command. Anyone unwilling to work should not eat. For we hear that some of you are living in idleness, mere busybodies, not doing any work. Now such persons we command and exhort in the Lord Jesus Christ to do their work quietly and to earn their own living. Brothers and sisters, do not be weary in doing what is right. Let us pray. Lord, use your servants' lips and your people's ears and hearts that they may be wed, that the seed of your word might be planted and brought forth with the resurrection joy. Amen and amen. Several years ago, I came across a prayer that was chilling, even disturbing. The chilling part, the disturbing part, is that it might have been a prayer that I myself would pray Listen to this chilling, disturbing prayer. O God, open all doors for me. O God, who answers prayers and answers those who ask you, I am asking you for your help. I am asking you for forgiveness. I am asking you to lighten my way. I am asking you to lift the burden I feel. There is no God but God, I being a sinner. We are of God, and to God we return. The chilling part of that prayer, that prayer that is a prayer that when you read it doesn't seem to be all that offensive, but it was found in the personal effects of Muhammad Atta, a prayer that he prayed prior to the attacks of September 11th. It matters how we think about God. More than the words that we say, more than our disposition, it matters how we think about God. I find there are several ways that people often think about God, and one of those ways is that God is a warrior out for vengeance, waiting on you to mess up. And once you mess up, something is going to be tossed into your life that is terrible, awful, no good, very bad. Jesus offers us a better image. He offers us the image of a shepherd with sheep and how if one sheep wanders away, the shepherd will leave 99 and go after the one. But the primary image of God in the New Testament is the image of God as a father. 
a father who has been generous beyond belief to his child. And his child has wandered off and squandered everything the father has given to him. And the child returns to a father who has been scanning the horizon, waiting to see the figure of his son returning. It matters how we think about God. If we conceive of God as one who asks us to do harm to our enemies, real or perceived, we are thinking wrongly about God. If we conceive of God as someone who wants to destroy us and not to save us, we are thinking wrongly about God. If we think that God sends disasters as a result of our sins, then very often we are thinking wrongly about God. It matters how you and I conceive of God. And some of the Thessalonians, Thessalonians' theology was, was bad theology. Their theology was simply this. The world is going to end and we are going to sit around and wait for it. The Thessalonians believed in the second coming of Jesus. And they believed that it was going to happen soon. Now, if you read Christian history, you will know that all throughout Christian history, there have been those who have been convinced that Jesus was coming back at a specific time. When the year 1000 rolled around, there were people who were convinced that Jesus was coming. When the year 2000 rolled around, we were all convinced that our computers and cell phones weren't going to work. We were all convinced that lots of terrible things were going to happen. And some people were convinced that Jesus was going to come back at the year 2000. As it turned out, a few parking meters stopped working. And otherwise, the world continued on. The Thessalonians believed that Jesus' return was imminent and some of them at least thought that the best way to prepare for it was to sit around and wait. And so Paul says, we command you, beloved, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to keep away from believers who are living in idleness and not according to the tradition they received from us. For we hear that some of you are living in idleness, mere busybodies, not doing any work. Our understanding of God affects our behavior. Our understanding of God and what God expects of us and how God is going to act in the world affects how we behave. The Thessalonians believed that Jesus was going to return. That part of their theology was good, robust, decent Christian theology. But they believed that it was going to happen any day, and consequently, they made the choice to do nothing. And that was a wrong understanding of God. And that was a bad theological understanding 
and that produced in them a kind of behavior that was not helpful to themselves or to the church that they were a part of. Some of you uh, may remember a, a number of years ago when a man named Harold Camping, who was uh, Family Radio Network's major personality, predicted that the world would end on May 21st. Harold Camping's followers, and there were surprisingly many of them, did things like cash out their IRAs, purchase RVs and paint them with themes of judgment, put up billboards in every American city that they could purchase billboards in, saying the end is coming, the end is coming, and on May 21st, the end did not come. I made a mistake in my calculation, said Harold Camping. It's not May 21st, after all. It's October 21st, and October 21st came and went. And his followers realized that their theology had affected their behavior and that bad theology had made them do things that in retrospect they wouldn't have done. Paul reminds us that there are a couple of different ways that we can respond to the gospel of Jesus and one of those is is idleness that leads to gossiping and, and belly aching. And if you don't believe that idleness leads to gossiping and belly aching, just, just stand in line for a while. Sit in a hospital waiting room or, or wait, wait somewhere with a group of people and, and pretty soon it's who can out-complain the other? Who can bring more juicy news and gossip than someone else. Idleness leads to gossiping and belly aching. But the opposite of idleness is diligence, which contributes to the formation of Christian character. Diligence in your work, in your parenting, in your friendships, in your marriage in your prayers, in your study. Diligence in being mentored by someone who has more experience than you. Diligence in mentoring someone who has less experience than you. Diligence contributes to the formation of our characters as men and women who follow Christ. Kyle read this morning one of my favorite passages from the Old Testament. Consider the ant, you lazy bones. The New Revised Standard Version con consistently uh, translates that word as lazy bones. Some of you who grew up on the King James Version will recognize the character of the sluggard. The sluggard who is just slothful who won't do anything, and there are, in the Old Testament, especially the book of Proverbs, this portrait that's painted of the sluggard, who sometimes is so lazy that he will dip his spoon in the bowl 
and is too lazy to take it from the bowl to his mouth. Proverbs also tells us things like this. Do you see those who are skillful in their work? They will serve kings. They will not serve common people. The book of Colossians puts it this way. Whatever your task, put yourselves into it. Do it as done for the Lord and not for your masters, since you know that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward you serve the Lord Christ. Now, let's not be mistaken here. Idleness does not know any boundaries. Young and old can be idle. Poor and rich can be idle. Men, women, children, we can all be idle. And one of the worst things that we can do is is to attribute this passage to the poor and to say, well, Paul himself says, if you don't work, you shouldn't eat. But dear friends, the rich, the middle class, the poor, we can all be prone to idleness. We can all be prone to gossip, belly aching, backbiting. We can all sit around and talk when God intends for us to do something. Idleness doesn't know any boundaries. But neither is there a boundary to those who can live in witness to the saving work of Jesus. Those who teach can teach for the glory of God. Those who are fathers can be fathers for the glory of God. Those who are engaged in friendships that are rich and satisfying can be friends for the glory of God. Those who own businesses can do business for the glory of God. Whatever you do, Whatever your role, wherever it is that God has placed you, has allowed you to go, there's no boundary as to where you can live in witness as a man of integrity, as a woman with honor and integrity, as, as a child who is dependable, as a teenager who is growing in faith and hope and love. There's no boundary as to who can live in witness to what God has done for us through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And so, on the one hand, idleness doesn't have any boundaries. On the other hand, God invites us all to be a part of what he is doing in the world. God invites us all to witness to his saving love and his grace. And this paragraph that we read from 2 Thessalonians ends with this. Brothers and sisters, do not grow weary in doing what is right. We can sit around and we can talk about what we don't like and we can start complaining about things that are annoying to us or we can get to work. Whatever your work is that God has given you, 
We can do nothing and sort of waste our lives as the seconds tick by, or we can do something. We can take the gifts that God has offered us, and we can use those gifts for our good and for His glory. Dear friends, brothers and sisters, do not grow weary in doing what is right. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Let us pray.